Howdy. Thanks for coming along. This is the Evening Chores Podcast, presented by Adobe Owl Ranch. We're located in the high desert of southeastern Arizona, and the goal of this podcast is to provide some insight and information regarding raising livestock and potentially gardening in the high desert environment we have here, the arid desert type environment, which doesn't get quite as dreadfully hot as, oh, say, Phoenix or the surface of the sun. I hope you enjoy it. Please listen in, subscribe, all that good stuff. Thank you. All right, howdy, and welcome back to Evening Chores. And I'll be quite frank, this is my second try for this episode. I I hit pause on my iPhone earlier, and it didn't seem like it took. It, it acted like it accepted the the audio after I hit record again, but it didn't... I don't know, it must have been some glitch on the on the software side. It it just didn't take any of it. So this is this is try two, so if it's even extra super boring, that's probably why. Now you may be able to hear in the background some extra chirping. There's a, there's a collection of eight new Cornish cross chickens, which my wife stopped on the way back. She stopped at at TSC, and apparently that was all they had. I don't, I don't normally do groups that small, but you know, if that's all there is, that's all there is. So I'll, I'll take what I can get. The previous group of Cornish Cross, which was 25, they've moved outside. In fact, I've just gotten finished setting up a heat lamp for them, because it was still just a little bit chilly for birds of their age to be outside unassisted. I think, and I kind of tend to err on the side of caution when it comes to giving birds extra heat for their first night or two outside. And if it's cold, I will go further than that also. So I'm sure some of y'all up north, you know, you're going to say, well, there's no point in that, but, oh, you know, why take the chance? But standing in here in my shop, there's still eight, no, 20 birds, I guess, actually. There's, There's the eight Cornish Cross, which are probably... I would put them at like four days old, at most, probably. I can't imagine they're much older than that. They're still really pretty and yellow, and if if you've ever had Cornish Cross, you know that that's not something they keep for very long. And I've still got my dozen turkeys. And they're also chirping in the background, and I will discuss the plate brooder that I have in there later in the episode, because I really like that thing. Because right now I've got on these on all of the poultry on my property I have 540 watts of power being pulled and for those of you that do math well that's a little bit of an odd number and and we'll get to why that is later on but so we've got the eight new chickens here and they they seem to be doing really well they, if you hop over to Instagram or Facebook, so that's facebook.com slash Adobe Owl Ranch or instagram.com slash Adobe Owl Ranch, you'll be able to see them. They really got immediately acclimated. It was, it was really fun to watch within, I mean, I, I put them in the box or I had a box, you know, with eight chicks in it, you know, as you get them from TSC and I put them in this, this brooder that I have here, which I'll explain in a little bit. 
and as fast as I could put the little box down that they got and pick up my phone and start recording, they had already started scratching and exploring and trying to fly and all the things that young chicks do. So that was really fun to watch. And this is a really good size brooder. You know, it's a really big brooder for, for chicks that size. So what I've done for that is if you've ever seen an IBC tote, which is a it's the metal cage with a big plastic tank inside, and it's a palletized thing. You can pick it up with a with a pallet jack or, you know, any, any set of pallet forks. You can pick it up with that sort of a thing. So it's a metal cage, and then inside there's a, a big plastic tank, and they range from about 275 gallons to, I think it's 330 gallons. So if you've seen those, I, I've got... A whole bunch of them here that I've found off and on. You know, I, I always keep my eye out. Those are always worth uh, getting a hold of, by the way, if you're on a a place like, like I'm on. If you see them, oh, if you find them for less than 100 bucks each, you know, they're just handy to have. I use the cages for one thing. You know, I, I actually use those for for basically big trash cans around the property for feed bags and things like that. And the tanks I keep around just, you know, for either if you wash them out really well, they make good good storage. Oh, excuse me. Or I've made one of them into a hog water that worked really well. They're, they're just super versatile sorts of things. And another thing that they're really good for is making brooders. So the ones that I had, I had two of them that were really nice and clean on the inside. You know, they didn't have any any kind of mineral or you know any any chemical buildup which actually some of the other ones that I had they were actually really clean because it was just iron or something like that but these looked really nice and clean so I they were really good for this sort of a thing I'm and I measured them and it turned out that they were just a little bit taller and a little bit uh, further I guess uh, deeper than they were side to side so I cut them right down the middle as they stand upright so I cut right through the well I took the cap off but you end up cutting right through the cap area and and through the drain so if you ever wonder what one looks like on its side you know cut in half directly that's what I did because I was looking to maximize the floor area so I I made the most I guess square inches of floor and sacrificed very slightly on the wall height doing that. So I measured it on on all three sides. You know, you've got you know, like you've got you know top one side and one back, and that gives you you know you you can look and see then immediately which one is the longest, or I guess which in my case which one is the shortest. So on on the one that was the shortest, which was the the side to side when I was standing at the front. I cut it all the way around that way, mostly using a, uh, it was actually a Harbor Freight vibratory saw. So if you've ever seen like the vibratory cutters, you know, a lot of times a, a oh, like a tile layer will have these sorts of things. Uh, they're a, they're a flush cut saw. All it really does is, is it vibrates back and forth and you can, you can f cut flat against whatever surface you're on. So I did a lot of it with that and some of it with a knife. I used the vibratory saw for the for the corners and the thicker parts because they are a rotomolded thing it looks like and 
and there are thicker and thinner parts. So on the on the thinner sides, I could use a oh a basic utility knife and cut it. Even though it's probably oh I don't know three sixteenths thick, I would imagine it's a it's a, a plastic, so you can cut it. So I cut where I could with with the utility knife and the rest of it with a vibratory saw, and it came out really nice. They make great brooders. They're really sturdy, and they're not going to break down. Before that, I'd been using, you know, like wading pools from Walmart, those kinds of just really junky sorts of things. These are going to be good for seasons on end, and they're not actually much more expensive. I've, I got some of these really cheap, really affordable, so they're going to be really good for this. And then on top of that, I've got some rat wire, which is, it's a square wire. It's a welded type fence wire, which has somewhere between uh, three, or probably seven sixteenths and half inch holes. And they're square holes. So the reason I did that instead of chicken wire is for one thing, it's it's a, a more sturdy material, so it, it'll stand up better. You know, it doesn't sag nearly as much. And... Anytime you have chicks like this, they like to learn to fly. And obviously, whenever you're learning to fly, the primary direction is upward. And I didn't want to have anything where they might accidentally stick their heads through and, and you know, cause injury to themselves. So I've got the this rat wire across half of it, which gets great ventilation. And then the other half is some old folding tables, actually, long, you know, a long time ago when I was living in a different state. The guy that lived across from me was throwing these things out, and I thought, well, these look like they could be really handy, so I went over and got them. And, and frankly, they were really garbage. They, they, you know, you couldn't hardly sit at them. They sat so close to the ground. But they're a folding table like a, oh, probably like a Coleman camping table from maybe the 70s or 80s. They're all aluminum and some kind of Formica-looking thing. But what they do for me here... You know, they're already pretty much shot. I'm never going to eat off of these things again. But they're not much wider than these containers are tall. So whenever you cut one in half and lay it on, on the side there, you've got, it doesn't have much uh, overhang. And it gives a nice stiff top for about half of the, uh, the half of the width. In fact, if you put two of these on one, they really do an excellent job. So I've got two of these brooders in here. Each one of them, half of it is covered in a, a folding table each. And then... The rest of it's covered in this rat wire, and that allows good ventilation, and it allows the uh, birds to see out. So then you can set a uh, a day-night cycle, which is important for birds, which I do in the in the shop. Obviously, by I shut the the lights off at night, and I turn them back on in the uh, the morning, which is kind of backwards, I understand. But this is LEDs in here, so they don't take hardly any electricity at all, and that that allows the birds to have a good day night cycle and be up during the daytime you know down at down at night and they constantly have heat through well as i said there's 540 watts at any given time here which are being absorbed in fact it might not even be i don't i don't know if the one absorbs or if uses constant 40 watts or not but Right now, I have, let's see, 25 birds outside, and they are using a heat lamp with a 250-watt light bulb in it. So that's a heat bulb. You know, it's a heat lamp bulb. I hate those things. I desperately hate them. They're, they have a tendency to shatter at the worst possible times. I think they're kind of a, a safety hazard, so I'm moving away from them. It depends on how you use them. 
you know they're they're terrible for some things but right now i'm using one of those outside and i've got it as safe as you can possibly have it right it's keeping my birds warm and all that i've got another one inside here and it's actually above the rat wire so they can't even get close to it and i'll step over here and i'll see how they're doing it is absolutely warm enough in there that you can tell when chicks are too too cold because they'll start to pile up. And in this brooder, I have chicks. They're, they're, they get lonely. You know, they don't like to be away from each other. So there'll be two chicks next to each other, as there is right now. There'll be two chicks next, next to each other. And then it'll be, oh, six or eight inches and another two chicks next to each other. So I got four sets of two chicks kind of cuddled up next to each other. And these chicks weigh a few ounces each. So they have a lot of surface area, not much internal area. They lose their their temperature really easily. And so what that lamp is doing is keeping that whole area warm enough where they can spread out and not be too cold, which obviously is stress on them. You don't want to have your your birds be stressed, especially at these young ages like these are. Now, that's in the chick pen. In my turkey pen, there's no light at all. And I actually think that's better because birds are very light sensitive. So that's that's why your rooster starts to go in at night. He takes all of his, his hens in with him. You hear the rooster crowing at the very first glimpse of light. He knows when the sun is about to rise. Now, yeah, there are a few crazy roosters that crow all the time. But in this case, you know, generally your rooster will crow right before the sun is about to rise, maybe an hour before or something like that. But they have a good idea. They start to sense those increasing, I don't know, candle power, lumens, whatever you want to call them. So they're very sensitive to light. So in my turkey uh, brooder here, I have a plate brooder, which is made by Producers Pride, which I normally don't don't talk about in fact i wouldn't talk about this if i knew where to find one that was american made so if you if you have a plate brooder that is made in the u.s please you know send me the link i'll i'll get one especially if it's metal made you know if it's made in a metal so if it's a usa produced metallic you know external i'll buy that thing in a heartbeat especially if it's a bit bigger than this one but these turkeys are doing really well under this this brooder and it's pulling all of 40 watts of power in brooder mode now in it it sets in two different ways you you can set it up either horizontally or vertically i've got the horizontal horizontal way right now which only pulls 40 watts if you put it on the vertical method and you switch it over to to the heater function which is is meant more i think for hens in the more northern climes to keep them laying more you know that will pull 200 watts but even at that it's less than this light bulb is pulling so it does cost a little bit more than the than a heat lamp and bulbs but i got a two-year warranty on it which i had to add on at tsc but i thought it was worth it and and even with all that and tax i've got less than 55 bucks in this thing so if it only lasts for two years, and say I can get, oh, three dozen turkeys or, you know, six or eight dozen chickens through it, 
it will pay for itself no problem just on peace of mind and and being more uniform heat and not having broken bulbs all the time because i go through it or i have historically gone through a fair number of those irradiator of those uh heat lamp bulbs and that's not counting the electricity so you know for the first several days your birds are alive they're under constant constant heat of some kind because the hen if your bird if your birds are natural you know you've got a hen around or a or a you know whatever whatever you know whether it's a duck or whatever but if you have a, a mother bird around they will you know that the chicks will get up under that hen every night and during the daytime anytime they get chilly they'll run back to the hen and she will keep them warm and that's that's about 100 degree temperature for the first few days and then it it goes down from there but so that brooder it does the same job on about uh, well i'm no math whiz but it does it on far less energy consumption in fact to the point where in the morning i will come out and I'll, well not for these chicks but after they get a little bit older i'll come out and pull the plug on the on the heat lamp but i don't pull the plug on this this brooder because it pulls such a small amount of power that i don't mind letting it run now the the heat lamp that's on my birds that are outside right now that's on a a controller so once the temperature rises above a certain percent a certain amount which is adjustable it'll shut off on its own so i'm not going to go out and bother with that in the morning but in a few days i'm going to come out and start pulling the power off of this heat lamp during the daytime because i don't want to have those you know those electric bills okay i've already got plenty of freezers and fridges and and heaters and all sorts of things you know i got a well pump that runs and all this so i don't i don't need anything extra pulling off the power I gotta pay for all that, you know, and that's that's part of the reason why your animal your protein costs whenever you buy it from a local farmer is because they're buying power at the same rate you are. If they're lucky, you know, it could actually be higher. So anyway, I've got this plate brooder, and as I said, you know, if you've got an American-made one, especially one that's uh, you know metal-clad sort of a thing, boy, please send that to me. But this one, it seems to be working okay. It's a three-position horizontal so you can raise it and lower it you know for, so for younger chicks you want it lower down to the the bottom of the the coop or the brooder i guess in this point and for the i did say vertical I, or horizontal i believe so for vertical you know you can just set it in two ways either width or length you can have it vertical long wise or vertical you know height ways but i don't plan on really using that in the vertical method because I don't think that it's going to, uh, it, I, I don't think it gets cold enough down here for that. But for now, in brooder form, it's keeping my, my turkey poults warm. And I'm happy to say I haven't lost any yet, and that is far better than I was expecting. I actually ordered twice as many as I was expecting to need this year, with the expectation that if, you know, more survived, I would I would harvest those and turn them into ground turkey, which we tend to use a fair bit of here on the property so around the house and you know if there's I've, I've got a couple of friends that do a lot of work out here with me and part of the way that they they like to get you near know, part of the reason that they come out is because they like to get the proteins that I, I grow here so 
there's going to be plenty for everybody if this trend continues, and I, I really hope it does, but turkeys are a, a long-term, well, they're actually a medium-term thing for, you know, as far as years go, or as far as the year goes. So the chickens that I've got outside, they are probably, oh, they're probably three weeks old, two and a half, three weeks old, so another six weeks, they'll be in the freezer. And the ones that are in now, these eight that are in here, they'll be, uh, it's a better part of, a, of two months, so it'll be about two months from now, and, and I'm recording this on 16 May, so you'll be hearing it a little bit after that, but these these eight chicks will probably be harvested, you know, about about probably 10 July, if I'm guessing, sometime around there, and the turkeys, you know, they'll be sometime out toward the end of September, October, it's harder to tell, because they're going to be more based on weight and size than anything else. Because these are not going to be fresh Thanksgiving birds. These are going to be frozen turkeys for Thanksgiving. And then, like I said, the rest will go into ground product or or turkeys, which are, are cut up into, you know, the individual pieces. So maybe a few, a few drumsticks, you know, maybe a couple of turkey breasts that are used. And then the, the trim will be put into a turkey, uh, ground turkey product just for use around here. And the, the chickens that I've got outside, those will be oh, working mid mid to late June, probably. So they'll be they'll be available for use at that point. So I've talked up my, my plate brooder. I would definitely recommend one of those if they work at all like the one that I've got. Boy, it's really been great. And frankly, if I'm starting out fresh, I'm, I'm not even going to buy heat lamps because they're just a pain and those bulbs do break a fair amount in fact earlier today i actually had to change out a bulb not because the bulb itself had broken but because it had broken loose in the base so it was hanging loose from the from the metal part that you screw into your light bulb you know fixture and it just seemed really unsafe as far as you know it seemed like something could have come loose and you know who knows where the wire is going to go so i didn't actually know that until i went to move it and that light bulb had had come loose there because it's glass you know it's a very fragile thing you're moving these sorts of things around so those those bulbs are not ideal and just to give you an idea of of the power consumption there one of the heat lamps that i have on either set of these uh, baby chicks that i've got is more power than you would have pulled in say your dining room when if you know if you're a you know a person like me closer to middle age you are pulling more with one of these heat lamps than you would have in your entire dining room or living room turning on all of the lights because these you know they pull a lot of heat or a lot of a lot of power to make that much heat and they're also making light on top of that so that's not ideal. Now, you know, you've got probably a few, it depends what, where you're at. You might have some standard light bulbs still. Uh, if you have to replace them all the time, you still have standard light bulbs and you're working probably toward you know, either compact fluorescence or uh, LEDs, which almost everything in my house is an LED, including the spots and floods in the front of the house. You know, when I have an event later in the evening, I can kick those things on in the front of the house, and I think there's eight of them out there. It'll really brighten the place up. There's eight LED spots or floods in the front of my house, 
which all together pull far less than this one heat lamp that's that's behind me and it brightens up the entire front of my house and I got a relatively wide house so it they do a great job you know the LEDs are a, a good thing if if you're looking for a way to to reduce your power consumption that's a thing you can do right away and it's something I would say do it right away because you're not you're going to start saving money on those as soon as you do it if nothing else at least buy some and replace the the old incandescent type light bulbs with LEDs as, as quickly you know as, as soon as they go out but I just went through my house one day I got tired of paying for the the power and I replaced all but one light bulb and that was an oversight I just haven't gotten to it about a year and a half ago with LED light bulbs including the outside and I probably spent a few hundred dollars on that but I would bet that I have made that money back already. And LEDs are a much longer lasting light source than incandescent light bulbs. So you're also not going to have to replace them. That's why I say do it as quickly as possible. Because those light bulbs are good for a much longer period of time. And compact fluorescence, same thing. The problem with compact fluorescence is I've still got a few in the house. But they, you know, when it's cold, they don't work nearly as well. I don't like having them around because they're kind of fragile. They they tend to break, and it's a really nasty looking glass when they break. You know, it's a curly cue sort of a thing. So they're just weird glass all over. That it really sucks whenever you step on one of those things. So I'd go straight to LEDs if I was you, and if I was me, because that's what I already did. And if I'm starting the the bird deal, I would go ahead and get some of these plate brooders. Yeah, that'll keep your chickens warm. Put your lights on a timer of some kind so you can tell if it's so that your birds get used to a you know a, a general schedule which is somewhat related to the outside light in fact you could have something that you know if you have your birds brooding inside like i do have it where it just comes on when the sun comes up outside and turns off and the sun goes down outside and that way they'll be used to the actual schedule of the sun or if you can have your birds in a brooder which is you know, heated and, and stays warm, and as uh, you have outside natural sunlight available, that's even better. But <clears throat> I believe that's about all for tonight. I've got plenty of plenty of poultry around here. In fact, if you're in the the Cochise County area, you know, go ahead and and hit me up. I'd be glad to talk to you about getting some protein in your in your area from what I have here and yeah we can do that legally that's not the issue so so feel free to hit me up you can email me at eveningchores.com or if you go to Adobe Owl Ranch that's A-D-O-B-E-O-W-L-R-A-N-C-H it's Adobe you know just like the brick structure you know mud brick structure owl like the nighttime bird and ranch like where you keep your cows adobeowlranch.com and there's a contact us form there you can contact me there as well or on facebook or instagram it's facebook.com slash adobeowlranch or instagram.com slash adobeowlranch either one of those will work fine i can i can pretty quickly ramp up if you're interested in a whole bunch so let me know and i i guess my parting thing now that i've you know the shameless plug has already come i will say this is part of the reason why pastured birds cost more than that that cheap 
you know, chicken in quotations that you'll get from Walmart or, or wherever. So right now it's, let's see, it's almost 10 o'clock out here. I've been setting up heaters and that kind of thing to make sure that everything's, take, everything's taken care of. Even With everything I've got here, I've got less than 50 birds for, you know, for meat use. I'm making about 50 birds, you know, 40 or 50 laying hens and, you know, including roosters and all that. Which wouldn't even be one cage in a, or one, you know, one section, I guess, in a combined, or a, a like a CAFO operation, which is, you've got everything really close together. It's a factory farm sort of a situation, you know, all your chickens and everything that, well, it's only one type of thing. So if it's a chicken farm, you're going to have just loads of chickens. They're going to be in a confinement situation. They're going to be very regimented on what they get to eat. And they never, you know, that it's just a terrible condition. So if you're ever actually curious in, in why you should choose pastured poultry, you know, somewhere, somebody like me over a, a CAFO situation, which is what you get from Walmart, Go find a local farmer, you know, somebody that's doing pastured, poultry, you know, outdoor animal sort of things, you know, like what I'm doing here, and ask them if you can take a farm tour. And at the same time, you could, you know, if you can find a local CAFO, call them up and see if they'll do a farm tour. Or just, you know, put into your local, whatever your favorite search engine is, you know, CAFO conditions or, you know, how is how are animals grown in, under CAFO. And, you know, if you don't, if you can't find a picture, well, you wonder, why is that? You know, if a local farmer will give you a tour of his property, and possibly grumbling, you know, not all of us are, are really people persons, but if you got a, a tour of a farm, and maybe try two or three, you know, base it off of that, that thing, you know, like, if you've got two or three farms close by, and you've only, you can only get a tour from one, well, maybe that's where you buy your meat from now on. But you you got to see how those things are grown, and if you're in my area, yeah, I'm a I am a wreck. I'll tell you right now, I am a cluttery person. But my animals, they get to be outside and and see the light of day every day. So you can come and see what things look like here, and then go to one of those CAFO operations and see what things look like there. Or, you know, if you can't find a picture, ask yourself why. Why would you not post those things? Because I'm a I'm a tiny producer. You know, I've I've got counting everything. I've got 120 animals or less at all times in my property, and that's counting all of the chickens and pigs and everything. So, if I will post that and a CAFO won't, why is it that they won't? And I'll tell you that because you know my dad worked in one of those things for a while, and I've got a lot of friends that work in the CAFO operations, and they do feed a lot of people. I want to give them that due. You know, there is something to be said for that. They allow a lot of people to have the protein that they get, but it's not the conditions that you want your animals to be raised under. So, they are inside for their entire lives. They they have a, regi- a very regimented feed amount that they get. They don't get to go outside and play. And even if, even if it says, yeah, pastured, that usually means access to outside. That does not mean, you know, if you, if you see, like, cage-free. Well, that's not... It's slightly better. Yeah, there's not a cage. So now it's one big cage rather than a whole bunch of small cages. Which sometimes can increase, you know, the... Oh, cannibalistic tendencies, those sorts of things. Because birds are not the the nicest to each other. 
And even if you see free range on one of those major companies, a lot of times that means that there is a door which leads into something outside. But most birds don't take advantage of it. They're not, they're not accustomed to it. I can, if you want to see what free range chickens look like, you come to my house. You, you send me a message and I'll show you what free range looks like because these birds get let out every morning. They wander across all the property that I got. They get all, anything that they can get. They, you know, whether it's, you know, bugs or, you know, we feed them all sorts of vegetables that are outside. I don't feed in, in their coops because frankly, birds are kind of nasty. So I don't want to feed them in the area where they sleep. So they get to eat all sorts of things outside and... Then at night, they naturally go back into their coops. We shut them in to keep the critters out, you know, so there isn't any kind of, we, we reduce predation to the, ex, to the extent possible. And that's, you know, the most that I can do for you. And that's the most that I can do for them, more importantly. So I give them the best life that they can so that, that they give me the best product that they can. And if you ask, you know, a CAFO that same question, there's going to be some kind of a, you know, a public affairs guy that comes out and lots of smoke and mirrors and sorts of things. So basically what I'm saying is, you know, you should be, you should be looking for a place to get your protein from, from a smaller producer, uh, you know, a pastured producer, which is actually pastured, not, not a fake pastured producer like some of the chicken and, well, I haven't actually seen any uh, pastured meat as far as birds go in the in the supermarket but even on the on the beef front sometimes that is a disingenuous thing if you ask me but if you find a local farmer and they say that yeah everything is grass-fed and and all of my birds are pastured and all of my pork is on pasture and everything like that well then yeah you're gonna have a, a much different product than than what you'll have if you if you go and get it from a store and it's much fresher as well i i can guarantee that so in fact, if you live near me, it'll be so fresh that I'll let you come out and and help harvest it if you're or at least observe the harvesting of the of the birds if you're super interested. No, that's not something for the the squeamish and faint of heart, but I'll I'll teach you how. I've I've put that offer out to several people cuz I'm I'm not only a producer, but I'm also interested in assisting people in producing their own protein because most of y'all if you've got any room at all, you can do these sorts of things yourself. So hit me up. I'm glad to teach anything that I can and explain anything that I can. And if you come to my place, recognize that I am absolutely a clutter monster. I've got, I am a, I'm a cluttered mess. And anybody that knows me will, will say that, but I treat my animal, animals well. So on that note, I think I will, I'll sign off and let the outro do its thing. And I'll let these chickens and turkeys go back to sleep and I do appreciate your time. I, I thank you for sticking around till the end. And I do covet your, your ratings and any input that you have. You can send that directly over to eveningchores at gmail.com. Or I've got a new email address for the farm. If you're interested in, in farm products, you can shoot me an email at Noah, that's N-O-A-H, that's my name, at adobeallranch.com. And I, you know, I'm really looking forward to hearing from you on any of those things. And I do appreciate your time. So good night, all. That's all until next Friday. Thanks and goodbye. I hope you've enjoyed this episode. I appreciate you listening all the way through like this. And if you would, 
please share it out. You know, you can go right to the website. You can get the URL there if you're into the RSS sort of a thing. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify, you know, Amazon Podcast. There's all, it's all kinds of places. Oh, look at that. I just got caught a pig sleeping in the feeder. They're crazy animals. It's, it's a sleepy world here. Anyway, please go to those places, rate, subscribe, share. That helps the, the reach of the podcast. And, you know, it's nice to, on my end, I'll be honest, it's a little bit selfish for me, but it's, it's nice to know that I'm not just speaking into the abyss. And somebody's actually listening. So if you want to send a comment, actually, if you want to send a comment that's more individualized, you can send it to eveningchores at gmail.com, and I'll get it that way. I appreciate you listening. Thanks, and good night.